Welcome to Innovating Masculinity, the podcast at the crossroads of entrepreneurship and men's mental health. Our mission is to hear the personal and professional struggles of innovators of all kinds and give men the helpful tools they need to improve their well-being, relationships, and careers. So whether you're a man seeking a healthier way to explore self-growth, an aspiring entrepreneur searching for inspiring role models, or just a listener curious about the stories that shape the world around you, this podcast is open to everyone who wants a fresh take on success, masculinity, and change. I hope you enjoy this episode of Innovating Masculinity. The definition of masculinity is a very contentious issue in you know the masculinity development space. There are so many different answers to the question of what should masculinity look like. And I mean, for example, we have, you know, the toxic masculinity movement, red pill masculinity, positive or healthy masculinity, biblical masculinity, stoic masculinity. I mean, really, some of those you may have never even heard of. Some of them you may not fully understand. But to many people, the masculinity space is very confusing. And today I want to give you all some clarity and hopefully uh, a good mental model to think of the different types of masculinity and then offer uh, a new type of masculinity that I think is really the the answer to to this question. And you'll see what I mean once once I get there. I don't want to spoil uh, the big surprise or anything though. So I'm going to tell you about the different types of masculinity and I'm going to tell you about how I think those guys how I think that type of masculinity would act at a party. How are these, how are these types of masculinities going to act at the function? I'll kick it off with our, my old, old nemesis, the old toxic masculinity. Um, this, this guy at the party is the guy that just can't take a joke for the life of him. This guy won't shut up about like all the problems in the world. Everyone needs to stop being the way they are and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's really just a buzzkill. And I, I hate to say this because with all, of, with all of the types of masculinity I bring up, there, there are some good things, but all of them have a lot of problems as well. So the toxic masculinity movement began as a way to call out men for their negative behaviors. Recognize that, you know, men are causing a lot of violence. Men and the locker room culture is, you know, really problematic. There's a lot of problematic things that that traditional masculinity has bred into men and socialized into them. However, toxic masculinity recently at least in the modern era uh ever since really ever since i've known about it for the last i would say 10 years maybe maybe five years i don't remember it's kind of just evolved into this trump card this like ah toxic masculine that's toxic masculinity right there there it is whenever a man you know does or says something that that other people don't agree with he acts in a way uh, that maybe does not fit with, 
the 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 modern definition I don't even know whose definition it is but I guess the modern definition of what men need to be like in order to not offend everyone else in order to be just something you know just not toxic I guess and it's not so much that like Every time, like, men get called out for something, it's bad. It's that the toxic masculinity movement is really, like I said, it's just kind of like a call-out culture. It's just like cancel culture. You know, it's, it's, it's not very productive to try and get men on board with change by, you know, just reprimanding them. In the same way that, like, look, like, if I if I went to a party and we're having an argument about something or, you know, there's a lively conversation going on, I'm not going to try and convince people of my point of view by making accusations and calling them out. I'm going to I'm going to try and build my case against them in a methodical way, but then I'm also going to try and propose a better solution. And toxic masculinity doesn't really do uh, any of those things. It's kind of just like a a quick snap call out. Oh, I'm angry about how you know men are this way, and 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 that's it. And that that's 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 the whole thing. It's just angry about you know something that is is happening in the world, but it really doesn't offer any solutions. So that that's 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 my thought on toxic masculinity. You're really the buzzkill of the party. On to our next guest. On to our next party guest. This would be red pill masculinity. Red pill masculinity is the out of pocket comments guy at the function. This guy will do anything to get a rise out of people. He will do anything to get a reaction, make people angry, make people flustered, and he just says whatever. And sometimes some of the stuff he says might actually be true. It might have a kernel of truth in it. But he says it to just get a reaction, which, um, I mean, nobody really likes that guy at, at the function. It's kind of an annoy. I used to be that guy. I mean, just not, not enjoyable to be around. For some of you that may not know what red pill masculinity is, the red pill community basically, their idea is that mainstream culture and social norms really disempower or discourage men from being their true selves, especially in relationships, interactions with women, and yeah, in, in interactions with women in relationships and, and, and just the way that they, that they should be in, in the world. They think that the mainstream culture is just not helpful uh, in getting men good relationships and being successful and being happy. So they encourage men to try and understand human psychology, try to see the world as it as it really is, quote unquote, so that they can achieve success, get women, money, power. That's that is what red pill masculinity is supposed to be about. At least that's what the people that, you know, created this movement, I guess created it for was to empower men and say like, you know, your masculinity is not toxic. It was very much like a response to the toxic masculinity movement to say that, you know, your masculinity is not toxic. We as men 
we traditionally have been, you know, assertive and dominant in culture. And that's because of, you know, the, the, the way that we are, I guess, because of testosterone or whatever. And that's the way that, that we should be. We should be striving to be dominant and assertive and strong. However, the way that the red pill masculinity community often communicates their message is through just really sensationalized, crazy, almost manipulative rhetoric where they're telling men that like women in society are, are, are out here to get you and, and they're, and they're hurting men. And like, like women are only out for your money. Women are only out for your status. The only thing that matters is getting respect from people, getting to your bag, getting, you know, a sweet physique. And if you don't have these things, then you're not being a man. And there's just something really grimy about, you know, trying to take back a little bit of agency for men and then using it to just accuse women. Like, there's nothing wrong with telling men, like, hey, you, like, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with some of the traditional values of masculinity, of being strong, of being, you know, a little bit more assertive, of knowing what you want and being disciplined and taking action. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you use it to say, you know, you need to take action against women and, you know, the way that they are in society is wrong and we as men have to be better, that's that's where Red Pill really loses me. And that's why I say that they're really kind of like the out-of-pocket comment kind of guy because, you know, there there is a little kernel of truth to the fact that, you know, there there are some women that are out for for your money. I've talked to, I've talked to friends that have lost girlfriends because, you know, they've left them for men with more money and that's, that's hurtful. However, I think that the red pill community just emphasizes too much that we need to be taking action against women and their ways, as opposed to maybe searching for something different in ourselves so that we don't get taken, taken advantage of. I'll be discussing red pill more on on another episode. This is this is like a a section of masculinity that that I am excited to explore and give you some more thoughts on like how I wish I would have approached red pill differently. And uh, a lot of the, you know, the stuff that I see wrong with the movement. But for now we're going to leave it at that red pill, really the out of pocket comment kind of guy just looking to get a reaction out of anybody at the function. We're going to move on to our next party guests at the the festival of masculinity the types of masculinity here and our next guest is healthy or positive masculinity and unfortunately this is really the guy that nobody listens to this guy just doesn't have a strong voice this guy actually has some pretty pretty solid points that i agree with um on the for the most part, I I agree with most of the stuff this guy has to say, but he's that guy that you know tends to fumble his way through the conversation, and nobody ends up paying attention to him, and you kind of would be able to forget that he was there if like nobody mentioned him, you know. Um, positive masculinity movement for those of you that don't know is about encouraging men to take some of the good aspects of 
you know, the male empowerment kind of traditional masculinity red pill movement and balance that with the valid points brought up by toxic masculinity. So positive masculinity is kind of like this mediator or the middle ground between the two poles of masculinity. One being toxic masculinity where like everything about men is terrible and they're gross. And then red pill being like women are the problem and men need to be, you know, we need to be able to be who we are and we're this and that. And those are really the two poles. Healthy masculinity, positive masculinity is about being in the middle. Men should be strong. They can be assertive and respected. That's valid uh, and helpful to men. But it's also true that we have a lot of problems around male violence, locker room culture, disrespect towards women, and all of that is genuinely very toxic. So this may sound like you, you might be thinking to yourself like, okay, positive masculinity, like all on board, like perfect. Why is this not like, why is this the, the guy that no one listens to? And honestly, I, I can't say, I can't really definitively say why. But this movement just hasn't gotten much traction. Many of you, this may be the first time you're hearing about it. Uh, no one in the media really cares about this this type of masculinity because it's just not making waves. And this could be due to like social media just prioritizes sensationalized stuff. But I think there's something more fundamentally flawed about the positive masculinity movement and that's that it simply doesn't provide anything useful to men in need red pill uh has the quality of you know motivating guys that are really down bad to you know take control of their life like you are you are a man you can take control you can you can do it. and 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 that's that's really the message that's some of the messaging of of red pill that 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 is motivating to guy. Toxic masculinity uh, on the other end of the spectrum, it calls people out and it rallies people behind the idea that like things about men are bad and things about men need change and we need to act on that change. Positive masculinity, it kind of just sits in the corner and is like trying to put those two ideas together. And like I said, like I don't have a ton of I don't have a ton of problem with the ideas behind positive masculinity, but I don't think it speaks to men. I don't think it speaks uh you know to the sensibilities that guys you know normally subscribe to. And what I mean by that is I'll give you an example here. In the UK, 92% of men that commit suicide we're in therapy. So basically, even though men are getting, you know, the help, quote unquote, that they need, 92% of men getting the help, like they're supposed to be getting the help they need. They're in therapy, but they still committed suicide. What that tells me is there's something about traditional cognitive behavioral therapy that just is not 100% effective for men. And Look, I'm not an expert on cognitive behavioral therapy. I am a psychology student, so I do know a little bit about it. I've had my experiences with it, and they've been generally pretty good. But cognitive behavioral therapy and therapy in general, 
is normally not very solution oriented. It's very just talk things out, say your feelings, this is all good. That's what it that's what it is. And in a similar way, I think positive masculinity is not solution oriented. And that's why it's not really catching traction with guys. It's just not exciting. It's just not really you know, a lot of guys do like to take action. They like to take things into their own hands and positive masculinity therapy doesn't necessarily encourage action. It normally just encourages like talking about things, recognizing things, which again, great things to do, but the missing piece might be, you know, that action or solution orientation. All right. So there there you have it. Positive masculinity, the guy that nobody unfortunately really listens to. Sorry if, you know, if you're, uh, if you're one of those guys, it's just, you know, no one, uh, (laughs) <laughs> no one remembers that you pulled up to the function. That's all right. That's all right, though. All right, on to our next, on to our next party guest here. And this is going to be one most of you probably haven't heard of before. And this is biblical masculinity. So before I, before I tell you uh, what biblical masculinity is bib, or, or uh, what they are at the function, bib, biblical masculinity is a movement of guys that preach about, you know, Christian values, uh, a man's responsibility to his family, to a higher power, and being mission-driven, you know, to help everyone around you uh, find God and find find purpose. So that's biblical masculinity in, in a nutshell. And my assessment of this guy at the function is that he's really the hot and cold guy. This guy can be, you know, the nicest guy in the room and, like, you're having a conversation and he's great and you're really hitting it off. You guys are good friends. But then he'll just say something wild as hell that will just shock you. And you'll say, how do you, how could you possibly think that, sir? And this is, this is something that is really a pattern with a lot of, you know, Christian uh, sort of biblical movements or just biblical people in general, unfortunately. Um, biblical masculinity just has a lot of crazy takes that fly in the face of their own message of loving thy neighbor. So, for example, I follow a guy on Twitter who, you know, I was following him. He's posting great stuff. I was loving the content. He was talking about, you know, you need to respect your wife as an equal and you need to stay disciplined and you need to take care of your responsibilities and, and you know, be compassionate and helpful to the people around you. This is this is like a man's duty. And I'm like, okay, on board. Like I love it. I you know, I'm 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 here for it. So I go to his Twitter feed, I see his pinned tweet, and it's like lists of things that good Christian men should never engage in. Number one, godless, soulless meditations. And <laughs> I don't remember the after that. I'm pretty sure the rest of it was equally as ridiculous. But I, I, I stopped looking at his page after that. And, you know, this is one example, but it speaks to the problems with biblical masculinity, which is that it's just not, it's just not inclusive of a lot of people. It's kind of like, you know, Christians are supposed to love thy neighbor, but they're also, in practice, a lot of them preach this this acceptance, but then, you know, when somebody's not a Christian or they don't think the same way, they don't have the same values on, you know, gay rights or abortion or or marriage, 
uh, then biblical masculinity is just very quick to shoot that person down. And it's really, it's really sad to see because a lot of these guys will preach about how, you know, we need to be better and strong for our families and for our communities, but then they tear, they tear people down that really want to be a part of that greater purpose, but they're just not aligned with necessarily like the scripture or the traditions of Christianity. So that's, that's really the problem with, with biblical masculinity is that you can get some really great things that, that that land with a lot of guys, but then there's just this whole other side of like, if you're not a Christian, you're a, you're a damn heretic. And I just, I just, I just think it's ridiculous that there's, that there's, you can have that much love and that much hate. You know, maybe you, I mean, maybe you didn't really have the love at, in the first place if you have all that hate, but the biblical masculinity guy, he's really the hot and cold guy at the function. We'll move on to our our fifth guest at the function of masculinity, and that is Stoic masculinity. So if you're not familiar with Stoicism, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about Stoicism before I tell you uh, what kind of guy the Stoic masculinity man is at the function. So Stoic masculinity is based around the central tenets of Stoicism. This is a field of philosophy that was popular during the Roman Empire, especially under Marcus Aurelius. He's really the champion of this this philosophy. And it's having a major resurgence today. But the central tenet of Stoicism is that we should focus on what we can control and not focus on things that are outside of our control. For example... Let's say you're anxious about getting the results back on, you know, a tough exam that you just took that you think that you bombed. So you're stressing about something that's already happened. This is an exam you've already taken. You're stressed about it. The Stoic would say that the exam is already done. It's not within your control. So release that anxiety and just accept that the outcome is going to be what the outcome is. Because by making, by being anxious, you're actually making yourself suffer with worry. So let that go and you can actually live free. So stoicism is really about letting go of the things that you can't control so that you can focus on the things that you can. And by focusing on the things that you can, then you will feel empowered to actually change the things that that you're focusing on, that you can see, that you that you have some power over. So that's the idea of Stoicism, the field of philosophy. Stoic masculinity is, you know, based around those tenets, but in practice, it's a little bit different. I'll start by giving you my idea of, you know, what Stoic masculinity is at, at the function. And Stoic masculinity is the quiet guy that just doesn't seem to have a ton of fun. Uh, he doesn't really talk much. Whenever he does, he says some motivational shit about how we need to maintain focus and drive in the face of constant distraction. And he's very poetic and everything. And, you know, he seems, he seems like he's saying the right stuff. But there's something missing to the stoic masculinity man. And... I think it's I think stoicism is a fantastic field of philosophy 
has some powerful insights that have completely changed my life. I would watch Tim Ferriss' video on Stoicism. If you haven't seen that, great intro to to the whole philosophy. It's 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 one of the things you know one of the things that I live by is Stoicism. However, Stoic masculinity sort of just encourages men to stay const like constantly composed, never flinching, keep a cool head under every imaginable circumstance. You should you should be able to handle everything that life show like throws at you with the same straight face. And in theory, like, yeah, like it would be great if no matter how bad it got, you could keep a straight face and never crack. Like that's, that's valid. That's, that's true that that would be awesome. But this advice just sort of flies in the face of human experience of just general human experience. Men don't like, like we don't always keep a straight face. Like some things do actually get harder than, you know, we think we can, we can handle and we may crack for a minute and men don't need to hear like, be focused, be strong, be stoic. What they need to understand, like they need to understand why they may feel weak or inadequate or, you know, worried in a certain circumstance. They don't need to hear like, stop being worried. It won't do anything for you. They need to hear like, you know, confront that worry and try and understand why it's happening and then make adjustments in order to either not be worried or to cope with that worry or to start to learn more about that. You know, what, whatever steps you need to take. And I think stoic masculinity just encourages guys to like not confront that stuff and just try to ignore it as much as possible. Be disciplined in like your ignoring of the problem. And you'll eventually start to, you know, stop having the problem altogether. And this here is where you see how stoicism flies in the face, or stoic masculinity flies in the face of of not just human experience, but also just stoicism, uh, the actual philosophy. Stoicism would not encourage you to just bottle your emotions up and not, not really confront the problem and try to understand it. Uh, Stoic masculinity is much different than stoicism. Just want to hammer that point home. All right, but so, so stoic masculinity, he's not the worst guy in the room, right? But he's certainly not the best. In fact, none of the current, you know, masculinity uh, guests at the at the party ha- are, are really the best one. You know, all of them have some pretty clear problems. All of them need to do need to do some work in order to to really be the, the the masculinity that I think we need in the world. However, there is one there is one final party guest that I have not uh, made you all aware of. And this one right here may may be that guiding light of what masculinity should be. We're talking about the perfect party guest here. The answer to the complex field of masculinity that men need to navigate the life of the party the guy that everyone wants to be around and of course I'm speaking to you today about innovative masculinity yes of course innovative masculinity isn't this guy just the best I mean this guy's funny he's kind he's confident and he's sexy I mean he's all the things 
right? Of course. <laughs> okay. But in all seriousness, I really do genuine, genuinely believe in the idea of innovative masculinity as the next step in the evolution of modern masculinity. And obviously, innovative masculinity is something, this is a self-concept that I have created. But I think that there's a lot of reasons that it really is the next step and what I believe should be the next step. And this is because when someone or something is innovative, it's constantly adapting. The innovative company is only innovative as long as it's creating new solutions and solving problems. It's not like innovation is not a static state. It requires constant effort, evolution, integration of new, you know, new information, adjustments to fit new problems, and is constantly looking for a better way to do things. And I think that's really what masculinity needs. The problem with all of the other forms of masculinity that I've mentioned is that they're all static, right? They're all like, this is the way that masculinity should be. But masculinity is not one thing to everybody. Like there is no one definition of it. We know that. It's different across cultures. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk on an on an episode soon with some people from, you know, different cultures. And they're going to they're gonna tell you about how masculinity in South Korea is completely different than masculinity in America. And masculinity from me is different than masculinity to the guy to my left or the guy to my right. So we need something that's constantly changing. However, despite all of the, the previous concepts of masculinity being flawed, they also have a lot of good things. I mean, toxic masculinity recognizes that men need to do better and that there's a lot of problems red pill masculinity sees how shaming men really just disenfranchises them from society and from their true selves and encourages men to find their true self healthy masculinity knows that you know being healthy and happy and balanced should be an ultimate goal biblical masculinity recognizes the need for a mission that is greater than yourself for a purpose. And stoic masculinity uh, encourages constant focus and discipline and consistency to create a better future. All of these, all of these are positive qualities. All the things I mentioned are positive qualities, but they're attached to something that's just not, also not good. The great thing about innovative masculinity is that it can take all of those positives, put them into a new framework that is always able to evolve. And any time that a new party guest makes its way into this manosphere, this, this function of masculinity, this festival of masculinity that I'm, that I'm talking about today, any time that a new party guest arrives, innovative masculinity is going to critically evaluate the pros and the cons as, as we've done today as we've gone through these five party guests, and it's going to take the pros, implement them into the innovative masculinity framework, and then iterate and evolve. That's what innovation is. Implementation, iteration, evolution, change. Taking a problem, finding a solution, changing the solution to better fit the problem. That, I think, really is the future of masculinity. We need to innovate. We need to know that 
the solution is not static. There's going to be solutions that are different for everybody. Everybody's got to take an approach where they don't choose one thing as masculinity. They choose to be constantly evolving, figuring out what works for them, figuring out what works for the people around them. And that is why I created the Innovating Masculinity podcast is because I wanted people to be exposed to the idea that like mask, there is a solution to this and it is ever evolving and it is on each of us to find the solution for ourselves. So I hope you all enjoyed uh, getting a look at this, at the, at the, the function of masculinity, the party. I hope you all understand a little bit more about the, the masculinity space and I'm excited about, you know, some of the upcoming guest episodes. Thank you all for tuning in today. I hope to see you on our next episode of Innovating Masculinity.